Uh, we are once again here for an indie web podcast, sort of tentatively titled thing that seems to have been the title. Uh, my name is David Chansky. I am me. That's probably the best way to describe it. I can be found at david.chansky.com online as well as a few other places. And the I'm defin- joined. Yeah, the definitive location. I still haven't thought of a better title for that thing. It is the definitive place to find me. Um, so it is accurate. It's just uh, not quite as exciting as some other people's websites. You know, I don't have an exciting name like bafosako.com. <laughs> well, I'm always amazed that bafosako was available given how Hollywood works with uh, the domain rush. Um, but I'm... Snowfrance.com. Uh, the, the, lesser, the lesser half of the two here. I'm uh, Chris Aldrich. What uh, makes you the lesser? Uh, I know. There's obviously a smarter half of this podcast and a lesser half. And I'm, you know, I'll take that. I'll take that position. I will not take that position. <laughs> but you will never know why I will not take that position. Uh, it, you could either attribute to the fact that I don't uh, necessarily think it's accurate or that I'm humble, whichever you prefer. Okay. One of those is we'll, correct. We'll go from there. Uh, so so what, what's new this week? Well, um, see, this is sort of the thing. Um, we had talked about various topics and then sort of the world delivered one. Oh, indeed. Uh, so uh, Facebook announced that it was ending uh, the ability to publish via its API. They were starting immediately by getting rid of the ability to publish events. And then they're pretty much going to get rid of the ability to publish pretty much everything in August. So what does that mean? Uh, let's see, the events API was deprecated to allow an app to RSVP. Uh, two endpoints are being a deprecated publish actions permission. So it granted apps access to publish posts as the logged in user. So the solution to allegedly them giving data away is to prevent the creation of data. In the, yeah, in the which, first place, which is... Well, no, that's sort of the thing. It's uh, what people abused were the ability to retrieve information, not the ability to send information. So yeah. it seems like this is a, sort of an excuse for them to shut people out of their garden, not necessarily to protect the items in their yeah. garden. Well, um, there, there's, there's kind of two things at play here, though. It is... There's an awful lot of people, and particularly corporations, I think, newspapers and the like, that are posting content into Facebook, and they're they're not typing it out and posting it manually the way probably the vast majority of Facebook users would or could. Um, so you're saying this isn't targeting locking down the platform, this is targeting publishers? Well, I, I don't know if it's even... Tar- I wouldn't say that it's targeted, targeting publishers. Um, though there is one side benefit is that the thousands and thousands of bots, and you know we have no idea how many there may or may not be that are pushing content into Facebook, this is going to clamp down on them pretty seriously. So uh, that may be a good thing, but I think there's other better ways to do that. But... I, you know, a lot of a, a lot of the people I know, and particularly in corporate and work America, are using uh, tools like Buffer as one of probably fifty that are out there that they use to either schedule content to go into Facebook and be published at a specific time, or to just publish it in a general sense, or even you know the big chunks of the web that use things like, you know, you and I use WordPress. You know, there's a lot of people who might use Jetpack to take their blog posts and send them to Facebook. And suddenly that route is going to no longer exist. Well, they Um, are going to make agreements with individual publishers, which means it might exist, but only for people who have the power to push it through. Yeah, or it'll be a, you know, and that's the tough part too, is you then are creating a blessed class versus a not blessed class of people and content, which, you know, Facebook has always said we're, we, we try not to do that. Um, uh, well, all I can say is there are always the haves and the have nots and we're in the have nots in this scenario. But it does, um, you know, I, I can appreciate the getting rid of thousands of bots po- posting just junk to Facebook so that people don't see that. And that's a, a positive. And the, I think the one thing they're cutting off now the ability to send RSVPs to events. I think they're cutting it off now, honestly, because not that many people do it or use it. Um, Well, it does bring us to why both of us care. (laughs) Um, But it's... 
I don't even know where to start with the setup for it. Um, although I will will mention too, I saw Aaron Parecki earlier this week uh, made a post that he sent to that he syndicated to Twitter and asked specifically if Buffer was going to not be able to, and they responded, "Oh no, this shouldn't affect us at all." And then someone responded with, a, "Are you sure?" And then Buffer came back and said, "Well, actually, we're going to have to dig into this." So I think even they as a company, and I think they've been given blessed status by two or three different silos. I can think of, I think Google Plus is one of one of the ones that they have a blessed status on. Google Plus has, for a long time, has never had a right API, but there um, are a small small handful of blessed uh, WordPress uh, applications. Has also, um, WordPress has that ability too. Um, Maybe it's I think time there's to push that. Uh issue with WordPress, Jetpack, and the pulling back of information. Mm-hmm. Although um, we've been pushing it, to notice um, that's the issue of them. They will publish, but they won't tell you where they published it to. Yeah. Oh, jeez. But that brings us to what happened that both of us care about. Uh, Ryan Barrett, who is the creator, maintainer, and uh, I don't know what you'd like to describe him as. The, Super genius? Well, no, I meant uh, as it applies to Bridgie. Oh, okay. He's creator, maintainer, and uh, the force behind. Um, there, I don't think um, there was one other person who contributed a lot, but not recently. Mm-hmm. Um, so for of recent days, he's been the sole contributor, but in the past there have been other minor contributors. And one major one, he's sort of been quiet lately. So um, Ryan announced that due to this whole thing, um, Bridgie Publish has basically created 7,000 uh, Facebook posts, RSVPs, comments, and likes um, since it was launched four years ago. That's out of 30,000 posts it's made overall to other sites. And basically, um, he's announced that um, Facebook, pub, or Bridgie, specifically the publish functionality, the ability to take what you do on your site and send it to Facebook will be deprecated and shut down concurrent with them shutting down the API on August 1st. So basically, it won't do anything very interesting anymore anyway. So he's announcing now that once it doesn't do anything, he will shutting it down he's closed all issues regarding enhancement of that particular feature and basically has called it dead which is a pretty severe reaction although is it I think severe it, or is it just saying unless this changes what am i do? what can i do well I'm gonna, i don't think that's it's severe a, it's it's i think it's a reaction to something that pretty much just destroys the product yeah when there's not really much he can do to fix it um well, if you've been following he has talked to the people who give out API permissions, you have to fill out forms to ask for certain permission. Mm-hmm. He's, you know, even before this, they wouldn't give him a lot of things he wanted. You know, they knew very well why he wanted it. Yeah. He had to explain it to them. So when they knew that it was so people can post to the site and have that information on their own site, which sounds like, why would that hurt, hurt Facebook? Yeah. Uh, in fact, actually, actually, I think it becomes a, uh, doing that becomes a stronger signal that somebody's willing to post it either on their own site first or some other location and then syndicate it in. So it's not... Typically in those cases, I think that has a a higher value signal, or I would personally treat that as a higher value signal. Well, I tend to think of it the other way. Um, There aren't enough people who uh, want to do that that it's really not going to damage their business. Oh, yeah. People who want to do it and care will be happier, and they will certainly use the platform more and engage more. Now, again, those people wouldn't be profitable to Facebook anyway, at least no more and no less. And since you wouldn't be able to go and create a Facebook reader, you'd still have to go in there to read things. It's just creating new content. It doesn't mm-hmm. really hurt their business. But again, they've gone nuclear in this sense. So they've basically slashed the ability to do anything. So unfortunately, you know, this concerns me because as much as I hate to admit it, a lot of the people who reply to things that I write are on Facebook. I would love yeah. it if I got you know what I have referred to as uh, basically native web mentions namely ones that are not converted from another service. Mm-hmm. Um, so, for example, if uh, my post was liked by bafosako.com instead of the Twitter equivalent. No, I'm not trying to say anything. Yeah. Um, but the point mm-hmm. is, I'd like to figure out how do I encourage more native interaction. Well, I think that's one of the the toughest pieces of this and what's going on. In some sense, Facebook is becoming even more of a silo by shutting off this avenue of incoming data. And, and it's you know for for a long time they've you know been slowly shutting down outgoing data to force you to stay there, but now they're cutting down on the incoming da- data. And I you know 
reminded of various people I've heard use the phrase, you know, silos gonna silo in a jesting manner. Um, well, it's not even think, quite that simple. But, but I think what, what this does too is it also is going to have a more isolating effect on some of us who, uh, you know, and I, I've always taken the approach that even though I have, I choose, I make the personal choice to have my own site and that becomes the the way that I interact online and the fact that I can kind of reach out to friends and family on Facebook is a great thing. And cutting off this avenue is going to make it that much harder for me to interact with my friends and family who, you know, for lack of technical expertise, may be stuck on Facebook. Well, you um, do a, you do a lot of manual regardless. Um, yeah, and I, I, I was going to say I've written before, and it's I've got some data to back it up, but I, my sample size is you know on the scale of a two or three rather than. N equals 500 or greater. Um, but I, I've typically found that when I syndicate things in an automated manner using their API, their black box algorithm gives me much less um, yeah, and to be visi- honest, visibility and feedback and reactions and comments and that kind of thing. Whereas when I cut and paste and manually post things, the enga- my engagement rates are much higher. And I'm almost dead sure that that's piece that their algorithm has been working against for a long time. Um, but I, I'm even more curious how that is going to affect especially news outlets and journalistic enterprises, which I would think Facebook wants a, a higher piece Well, there's a good business. Of. They, just, they hire somebody in a third world country to cut and paste at $2 <laughs> an hour. Yeah, or less. Yeah, um, but you know, I, I may be um, joking a bit, but that's probably what's going to happen. If it has to be done manually, they'll hire somebody to do it. Yeah. Well, there's always little... The water's going to find a way around the rock. Yeah, uh, which is also the e- other problem with locking things down. People always find Because I, th- I think even on Google+, Plus, you know, people, there's a, a small loophole for me- um, posting via mobile app or mobile interfaces that some people use as a workaround for the right API on Google Plus. Yeah. Um, but that's even more tenuous the alternative. It makes it really hard yeah. to know. Tomorrow you could wake up and they could break it permanently or temporarily. Yeah. And it's an arms race. If at least there's an API, they have they usually announce when they break something. Yeah. Well I'm kinda curious what the posting this is gonna do the posting velocity on Facebook overall. You know, I imagine the vast majority of you know what Facebook considers real people versus organizations or pages is probably not as big a piece of their pie um but a lot of the high value content that's coming into facebook is i think coming in via api um so without stating it i think this is going to have a drastic effect on what on who facebook thinks they are and what they're doing and where they're going um and i think it's kind of an interesting thing too at the same time twitter in the last several months in most of the app stores has gone from carrying a social tag to having a news tag and considering it itself a news application rather than a social application. So Facebook is going in one direction while Twitter is seemingly going in an entirely another direction. Um, Well, Twitter did this as well. Not right now. They haven't stopped anybody from publishing. They also basically had an ecosystem and started shutting it down. So mm-hmm. you can't necessarily trust that anybody is going to maintain the ecosystem they come to love. And, you know, look at the segue slightly into what Ben Wordmuller said, which is basically, uh, how did he put Oh, yes. Rearranging the deck chairs on the privacy Titanic Yeah, was the term. So uh, the idea being that um, Posse, which is published on your own site, syndicate elsewhere, relies on these sites participating. Not necessarily okay. actively, but providing the service to publish. So let, let's go back for a second and... Tell me who Ben Wordmuller is and where you found this fa- fantastic quote. Uh, well, I found it in the article you shared with me. <laughs> so I'm going to attribute the fact that I saw this one to you. I uh, I have met Ben Wordmuller. Um, he was the, uh, let's say, the um, force behind Known, although he's not actively working on that anymore. It was an independent company. It's gone back to the open source project. So he's so moved he, on to other things. Although I think he he 
made an indication he was going to be writing some code this weekend. Yeah. Um, I'm more saying he, um, it's no longer his, his primary thing. It's yeah. So, so Ben is the co-founder of a content management system that literally was built with indie web principles from the ground up. Um, and that's, no- uh, which is known as known or with known. Um, and he, he posted, I think the same day Facebook made their announcement and, his post was entitled I'm done with syndication. Uh, let's help people be themselves on the web. Um, and I think he's got a lot of interesting points, but I think the tough part is there is a, there's a growing group of people who are doing, who are owning their own content have their own space and are controlling and owning their identity online. Um, while at the same time, the vast majority, I think, of the rest of the population is relying on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, Snapchat, any one of 10. There's probably about 10 big silos, I think, none of which can interact with each other or interact well, um, which means if you if your group of friends isn't on the site you're on, you've got to go join three or four or five others, which then also means the amount of time and effort and energy it takes you to keep up with and track your friends and family online grows exponentially. Um, but to me, the the original reason that Posse, the post on your own site and syndicate elsewhere, had more value was that in being able to syndicate out to these social silos where you were then easier able to interact with friends and family as you were able to maintain that connection. And while to me that system and setup is really meant more as a stopgap yeah. between where we're at now with a few people posting on their own site and syndicating out to other places and most everybody else being in social media it becomes a stopgap until you know five or ten years from now when the the rest of the world comes to the realization that it's easier and simpler to own one identity on the web instead of you know i think i have 200 plus accounts in various parts of the social internet. And it's just, to me, it's silly. Um, well, well, remember, everything is just a stopgap. Everything that we've built as a community is just trying to build towards, I'm not going to say utopia, it's trying to build towards a complete vision. So what yeah. happens, um, I'll give you an example. Um, we come up with a way of uh, authenticating to an indie website. Um, Aaron Parecki comes up with it. He calls it indie auth. Indie auth basically Everybody conflates IndieAuth, the idea, with IndieAuth.com, which was meant to be a reference implementation. Mm-hmm. Until one day when people start writing their own IndieAuth servers, no longer need this version, which is still there as a public service to the community. Same thing with Bridgie. You know, you could go and write these integrations for syndication into your own site. You can go pull back content, but then you have to go and deal with all of these APIs and all these other things. So there you have Ryan Barrett, who, as a service to the community, among other things, as a service to himself. Yeah. Basically said, okay, well, what I'm going to do is I'm going to have this indie web concept as a service because I know that not everybody will be able to build this. And that even the people who want to build it may not do it today, tomorrow, or next year. So the idea is I'll host it. I'll take on that responsibility until people mm-hmm. start building their own. And bear in mind, what eventually happens is people do start building other implementations of the technology and they all work together. And then eventually, yeah, over time, you don't need to rely on some of those third-party services as much i'm working on it not as fast as i'd like that yeah. well it's you know from a historical standpoint though it's you know it's a smart idea to be able to have these small things and it's also one that makes bridgy such an apt name is it's a, a thing that bridges us until we get to the yeah but... to the next generation but i, I remember i don't know five six years ago there was a really great um product called think up that Anil Dash and Gina Trapani made that dovetailed with services like Facebook and Twitter and pulled the data out of them and analyzed it to give you some feedback on who you're interacting with, how often, how your posts are being seen and viewed. It was actually a you know a fun little tool, but I think they ended up spending so much engineering time and effort playing, you know catch up with changes in Twitter and Facebook's APIs that they've, you know, literally weren't able to continue building a product because they were spending all their time rejiggering API access 
um, which I think is, you know, over time, certainly Facebook and Twitter will need to make changes to their API, but ideally you would keep old functionality up and running so that every time, you know, I, I'm thrilled to have Bridgie because I, you know, then don't need to spend the time, effort, and energy redoing work every two weeks when somebody changes their mind about how their product is going to work and I need to interact with it. And then when you multiply that by hundreds of thousands or even billions of people, you're trying to talk me out of what I'm thinking of. It becomes untenable. Well, I, I, you know, I I think what you're doing too is a a piece of it's, it's, and it's one of the heart of what we're talking about here, this syndication idea. And there's eight different ways of syndicating in one direction or another, depending on, which direction of flow your data is going. There's a bunch of ways of doing it, but I think within, particularly within the WordPress community, one of the more difficult pieces of setting up, you know, I this week I sat down and recorded and talked through all the pieces, and I think it took me about two hours of, of work while I was talking to set up an indie website. And that, to me, that's... I'm wondering if I should watch I could, that thing. I haven't gotten around to it. Uh, it's for you. It's way you're way beyond it. No, I'm just um, worried that I'm going to actually correct you. Oh well, no. No, I'm saying no. You could. You know but as much the, about it as I do, but there's still a few things that I probably have not articulated about. Every so often, I think I've succeeded in pointing out. Well, have you noticed that this actually works? Yeah. I I get a very odd response from that. Usually, it's no. I did not notice that that does that. Yeah. Well, it usually depends on how much time I've had to sit and read code or watch. I at least try and watch conversations in chat well i usually pay, if i found something to... if i find something interesting that i decided to do i have often been known to basically just ask you if you noticed it did that and wait to see how long it takes you to actually respond because i know each of the products yeah uh, for example my personal favorite being um time zone location support where there are a lot of little oddities that i've put in oh well that's my problem too is i'm in the same time zone t- too often and don't don't switch time zone as is often to be able to stress test those things. Um, oh, I only stress test them when I travel. Uh, uh, but you know, I I enjoy a good Easter egg as much as the next guy. You know, I, one of my favorites, and I, I there's probably only four or five people in the with known community who are aware there's a um, a solo theme that you can download and install that will turn your website into a Star Wars crawl. Or a Star Wars credits crawl. You know, simple, goofy things like that are fun little Easter eggs that people built along the way, and you can, you know, play around with them and do interesting things with them. Um, and they're they're built and hidden in the code, and nobody necessarily knows they're there. Um, in fact, actually, an interesting thing I ran across there's a there's a big one of the probably ten big newspaper publishers uh, has built into the source code of their homepage, a banner ad that says we're hiring and gives details about how to apply because they want, you know, better coders for their website. But it's a hidden Easter egg, you know, piece that only people who care about those things would ever look at and see to know that they're there. Um, And I, you know, I'm personally, I'm curious how many people they've had applied to their development shop through methods like that but you know it becomes a more interesting calling card if when you apply you say i saw i saw your banner headline when i viewed your source um then being referred by you know joe in accounting um what do you have against joe in accounting he's a nice guy (laughs) but um the i i think at the at the end of the day though the one of the pieces that a lot of people have problems with because it's easy enough to download and install four or five WordPress plugins to, to indie webify a WordPress site. You can get pretty far pretty quick with very little knowledge, but the tougher piece becomes how do you want to syndicate your content or do you, do you even want to syndicate it at all? Um, Cause I have a feeling over time as there are more and more people doing it, fewer people will, be trying to bend over backwards to send their data to places like Facebook or Twitter, um, or knowing what Facebook or Twitter may do with your data, you may not want them to have it in the first place. Um, I want my data to be spread as far and wide as I, the eyes can. You know, it's the it goes back to the old concept of broadcasting, and 
you know, a lot of people think that word stems from the, you know, early 1900s when television and radio were becoming a thing. So you think of TV and radio broadcasters, but in fact, it actually goes back, you know, almost 10,000 years to when people started agriculture and they were broadcasting as really a reference to sowing seeds in a field. You throw them far and wide so that you in hopes that, that your seeds take root and grow a crop. Um, and so TV and radio stole that concept or co-opted it. Um, so, uh, you know, you, folks like you and I may take that idea and send our data to 15 different silos. And, uh, you know, sometimes I'm honestly shocked of which, which silos send back the most interesting commentary or... I'm just tempted after uh, you said that to do this. Pause for a station ID. <laughs> there you go. W-E-V-D, New York. Is it depressing? I know exactly where to find that. Yeah. Almost. Almost. I actually ran across, just as an aside, I ran across the BBC, I think, has a huge archive of early 1900s uh, audio clips. And uh, amongst it, they probably had over a thousand variations of audio clips of various telegram and teletype machines running in the background. Um yeah, but have you ever heard of WEVD? No, no. Uh, yeah, WEVD is sort of an interesting uh, story. Now, uh, EVD uh, basically was uh, named after uh, Eugene Debs. Mm -hmm. uh, so basically, it was started uh, in 1927 by the Socialist Party. Oh, nice. Uh, yeah. Now, later on, uh, the station was taken over um, by the organization that uh, did the Jewish Daily Forward. So basically, a uh, Later, um, it started out as a basically a socialist network, and then later it became a Yiddish broadcasting network, and it continued until it basically uh, died off. So it sort of has this interesting history. Now, um, if you keep going, it, um, it, there is a current version of the network which actually exists, but it uh, is a sports network at the. Oh, that's interesting. Well, yeah. so you, those those radio licenses, broadcast licenses, were worth a lot of money. So if you owned one, you could easily sell it off and recoup something out of it. Yeah, uh, EVD was sold to Salem Media, who turned it into a Christian station, and then merged it together. Um, it remained under the air, then it kept going, and then again, it just kept... So right now, it is long gone. Uh, I believe it is uh, currently owned by ESPN. <laughs> I, well, we'll have to look up EVD.com and see uh, see the, if they've got a, an online EVD? presence. Yeah. I'm sure there's somebody who still remembers of a fondness classic Yiddish radio. Yeah. Anyway, um, my odd hobbies aside, uh, it does bring us to the last article you cited made up our show notes, which is something I wrote. This whole thing made me make it. it have, you, have you physically made your decision already, or are you still in the process of thinking about? Well, no, I've decided. Yeah. Well, no, I've decided what I've decided what I'm going to do in the big picture. What I'm still thinking about is refining the execution of it. Okay. So I've decided that um, there is a plugin that I created, Bridgie or Bridgie Publish, depending on your perspective, uh, for WordPress, which is basically just a wrapper around the Bridgie service. Uh, so what it does is on the it helps with registration, and it does it basically creates a bunch of checkboxes that if you check them, it will send the signal to Bridgie Publish to publish to whatever you want. Mm -hmm. uh, so I've decided to basically deprecate it. I am discontinuing the plugin as soon as I write its replacement. So I'm emphasizing the as soon as I write its replacement because it's going somewhere. And it may take a while to do it. Uh, well, to do it right. Yeah. No, the basic stuff will be a week or so. But to get it to the point at which I'm happy with it may take a little longer. Mm -hmm. So the biggest problem uh, comes from wanting to add more and not being able to. So I could have, in a day, added the ability to syndicate to Indie News, official news site of the Indie Web community, mm -hmm. if we have such a thing as an official news site. So that's news.indieweb.org. Now that's where you can get a community curated list of articles in English, uh, Swedish, uh, German, French, and Dutch. And I don't actually syndicate to it. Why? Because I don't have a tool that does that, and I'm too lazy to do it myself. You don't want to do it manually? I, will, I think the form actually works now, because there was a comment that it didn't. But uh, no, I, I like automation. Um, there's this whole concept of manual till it hurts. It hurts me very easily. Um, <laughs> So have you, well, have you tried in the erstwhile, have you tried uh, Matthias Pfefferle's, uh 
uh, indie news plugin. I intend to I intend to absorb it. I don't okay. know how he'll feel about that, but he hasn't actually published it anywhere except on GitHub. So it dovetails very nicely with this concept. Well, I think the tough part, and I, I had used it probably three or four years ago when I found it. And I think the tough part is that it that there's no documentation for how to use it. So you either have to read the code or make some general guesses as to what it's doing and how it's doing it. That's why um, I said I, I wanted to <laughs> absorb it. I don't think that uh, with all respect to him, and I do have a lot of it, um, I don't think that it is the user-friendly product that people would want. Yeah. And all of his products are very functional. Well, I think for me, when I originally used it, it, it works by adding a, I think the default tag in it is Indie, I-N-D-I-E. So if you use that tag, it shows up as a tag on your post, and that gets it gets indicated out from there. But depending on how your theme is written, if that tag isn't added into the bigger body of the post itself, which in the theme I was using when I originally tested it, just it didn't work because the tag didn't show up in the right spot. So it didn't syndicate it out and send the web mention it was you know, meant to. So I turned it off and went away from it for quite a while. Um, but the general concept of what it is and how it works is great. And I've noticed even in the last, I think it's in the last week here, he actually did a quick update of it. Yeah, he had uh, um, basically a uh, dashboard widget. Yeah, so it's, you know, now you can actually read at least the headlines for what's going on within that news block in your, you know, in your own website dashboard, which really that by itself is what's worth using just for that. Yeah, um, well, no, I wasn't going to do anything about that. My plan was to basically take the Indie News functionality and roll it into what I wanted to do. Yeah. That was basically the problem. It's okay, I'd like to put in the ability to publish indie news into a plugin called bridgy publish uh the name limited me yeah so half of the reason it is being deprecated instead of just rewritten is because i'm calling it bridgy publish mm-hmm. and i don't want to just publish using bridgy so it limits Oral. me and what i can do so i was going to create a new plugin and get rid of it but finally i in this in sort of brainstorming it for a few weeks while i was working on other things um, i decided to basically absorb the underlying code into syndication links which is the plugin that handles actually displaying the links that you've syndicated somewhere which means the name syndication links may not be technically accurate after this although it's not inaccurate or just call it syndication and shorten it down to i considered calling it posse for wordpress well but it's even it's even doing more than that though because it's also helping enable bridgie to send reactions back from other places well that's the part i considered rolling somewhere else um so it by itself doesn't, but uh, the idea is it doesn't actually do any um, posseing. It is basically mm-hmm. the interface. For so it would allow, it would assist in the generation of syndication targets for Micropub, and it would use those same syndication targets and generate them in a post editor in WordPress. So in order for it to work with any given provider of, let's say, posse services, somebody would have to write this layer that would tell the plugin how to interface with whatever code is actually doing the posse, be it another plugin or be it custom code. So as an example, if I'm using Aaron Parecki's Quill interface to write my posts, yep. there's a little section, I think, in there that it says syndication targets. Yes. But but when you authenticate to the product, your website has to have those little links on it that tell Quill when you send the data to Quill, you know, ping these three services, whether they're, you know, Facebook or Twitter or whatever you've well, actually, got built it's the other on your way website. Around. It's actually the other way around. It... The client does nothing. So what the client does is it, it contacts the micropub server. So Quill is a micropub client. And it asks it, what targets do you have for me? So it's basically, where can you syndicate to? And mm-hmm. then it creates the, the checkboxes in the client. And when you select them, it sends that information back to the server. The server is the one that has to do the work of actual. Do well, yeah. The server ends up doing the actual work of syndicating. Yeah, the but all the client does out. is ask the server, "Well, where can I send it to?" and create the interface for you to do it. Yeah, or so what options? Yeah, yeah. So that's basically what I'm doing here. I'm taking that same concept and saying, "Okay, I want to make it so that plugins can generate these syndication targets, but because I want commonality, I want to generate those same syndication targets inside." the WordPress center. Mm-hmm. And because I want to make it as flexible as possible, anybody who wants to do this will have to declare it twice. It's 
going to work the same way, but you're going to have to say, I want to show it in the interface and I want to show it on Micropub or I want to show it on one or the other. So I have so to, I, the hard part yeah. is doing a lot of thinking about how to make it so that anybody could come along. And the depressing thing is uh, if history is any indication, no one will come along. <laughs> It'll be me just getting frustrated and being able to, and writing another provider, Yeah. which uh, if you paid attention to simple location, how many providers do I have in there now? Even though I'm not using all of them, it's just, okay, I'm annoyed with the, this group today. I'm just going to change my website to use a different map. Yeah. I'm bored. Why not rotate it? This week, I'm this week I'm going to integrate with Bing. Next week, it's going to be Google Maps. The next week, I'm bored. It's back to OpenStreetMap. Yeah. By the way, I do this. I do this in my apartment also. <laughs> I, I move the front. just for the fun of it. Well, it's it goes back to, and I'm curious in writing it this way. Are you going to set it up so that you're enabling other people to write in third-party integrations, specifically only for WordPress, or are you going to encourage people to dovetail further upstream to uh, bridgey publish functionality, which is already fairly modular. So if, let's say, probably nobody would would ever want to do this because it's such a small marginalized service now after almost a decade, but let's say I wanted to syndicate to plurk.com, which oddly enough... The idea is that somebody wrote something. Still exists. Um, and it still has an API, and you could still write to it. Um, but functionally, would it be better to write something for your p- plugin as a an add-on, or is it better to go back and dovetail with something like Bridgie Publish to add it there as a service, and then write you know the two lines of additional code that enable it within the new syndication links version? Either planning. I'm preparing for everything. Yeah. Because that's or do either either or. Um, because honestly, I'm kind of uh, Bridgie is a, a wonderfully modular product, and I'm kind of. Um, but every but what amazing. annoys me, yeah, and I said this to Ryan chat at least was um, everybody comes to me and complains that the Bridgie plugin doesn't work because they haven't set up micro formats on their web. Yeah, and uh, I cannot support that. It doesn't mean that I will not try to help them put those micro formats there. It's more okay. Um, the product is a wrapper around another product have to set up that product according to its yeah so i want to have the ability if let's say that i want in the same interface to not only syndicate using bridgie publish but let's say i do want to write my own syndication thing the two will work side by side and they will work as if they were the same thing so that's what i am trying to do it's basically no matter what i do i have the same interface on my end yeah so it doesn't matter if i never write an integration and i just use bridgie publish or I just go look for five different plugins, unhook their own MetaBox, and just use my MetaBox. So basically hide their interface and replace it with mine. So in some sense, you could replace Snap with or or so, so or social network auto poster as a plugin. You can replace that interface with yours, but still use Snap as the service that's actually sending the data back and forth on your behalf. Why not? I'm not or, saying that I would necessarily do that. I'm just saying rewriting the whole thing this way. Or Jetpack. Make- you know, as another good example. Yeah. If there's code to trigger the Jetpack syndication, then I could do that. The whole idea is basically that I'm saying one unified interface, which is something, admittedly, I would like it if other people took on as well. But it means that there's one interface to perform an action and that everybody else just hooks into it. Yeah. And that's easier for me in the long run. It means that eventually I'm going to have to figure out how that works with Gutenberg. Yeah. Well, have you heard of Convoy? Or do you know what Convoy is? So in the early days of Known, some, somewhere on the border, I think, of it was born in 2014. Uh, and I think by early 2015, it was a big enough pain in the neck. Known had built in or had a bunch of plugins to dovetail with syndicating to Twitter and Facebook and five other places. Um, but to do each one, you had to download a plugin. You had to set up an API key you know, and jump through a few hoops, which, you know, if you know what you're doing, it could take you 15 minutes per silo. And then suddenly you're able to just do a one click button. When you write a post, you click your Facebook button, turn it on. And then when you hit publish, it publishes it both to your site and automatically syndicates it out to Facebook. Um, But I think that became even such a heavy overhead, especially 
on a product that they were trying to sell to people in higher education uh, was still hard enough to do that manually that they created a service called Convoy that did a lot of that stuff automatically. So, you know, ultimately, I think they were, you know, charging $5 or some nominal fee that you could sign up with. According Convoy. to their site, it was $5 a month, but if you pay annually, yeah. you get two months free. Yeah. So, it, but it was a simple service and you paid some small amount for the benefit of not having to deal with all the setup and the overhead as well as all the breaking changes so that every time somebody's API changed, you didn't have to re-download a plugin and troubleshoot it. Um, and but that, that's what, that, that's why it always gives me pause when I think about what I'm doing. And I've been thinking about this for weeks now. It's I'm basically setting myself up for that, yeah. potentially speaking. But, but at least it's worth looking at the plugins and things like Snap or Convoy that have done that in the past. What worked well, what didn't yeah. work well. Well, the difference in this case is that I'm not doing it as a service, and I'm not planning on spending a lot of time writing integrations. I plan the only ones that I said that I will definitely write are a new Bridgie one and an Indie News one. Mm -hmm. So the idea being that at some point in the future, if I get annoyed enough and want to basically syndicate somewhere, I will just have to force myself to write something or co-op somebody else's code. The other potentially nice thing is uh, PHP, on which WordPress is based, is such a established language that i'm sure i could just find somebody else's library and use it mm -hmm. upstream dependency yeah but the whole idea is if i have this layer that basically handles everything just sends a message and the only thing i have to do to write another provider is to tell it how to basically turn the data that i'm sending into it into whatever it has to output it works that's how uh, that's how basically simple location works mm -hmm. it takes four different weather services actually no it only has one weather service right now but it takes four different map services basically put the data goes in the same way it interprets it into the format that that service needs and it pops out everything in the same format so it's the same basic idea you don't have to know what goes on inside the black box you just know the input and what which is certainly a much more dry way of doing things or um don't repeat yourself so i think one of the tough things about syndicating is every silo you syndicate to has one or more or a huge multitude of ways the end product looks or appears when it's syndicated out. So even things like Twitter and Twitter cards, you can have a, a small photo and a, a snippet. In my case, the input source is a WordPress post with all the data associated with it. So there mm -hmm. is a learning curve. It means that since I know where all of the data is stored, in this case in micro formats inside the post op, I can take all that effort to render something that may look better. Yeah. I don't know that Twitter supports it uh, for audio posts, but I know they do do video posts so that you could create a Twitter card with actual video inside of it. Oddly enough, Twitter's the one I'm not worried about. If I had to write, I've seen their API. If I had to write something for Twitter, I think I could handle it. There are enough libraries cool. out there. Yeah, well, that, that there are libraries out there, although there's a lot of old deprecated libraries. You just got to make sure they... Yeah. Or libraries that exist after like 2013, 2014, yeah. I think. I'm just saying that um, if I wanted to post, uh, that should be relatively as things go. Mm -hmm. Beyond that hard, but that one, if you look at their actual references, let's see here. Updates and authenticating users' current status. It's tweeting. Um, and it says how to geotag it, how to pass a place ID if you have one. Um, that uh, locations are used in GeoJSON, which is their standard. There's a field for in reply to. Um, auto-populate reply metadata, exclude replied user ID, so attachment URL, uh, media IDs, possibly sensitive information, latitude, longitude, uh, display coordinates, trim user, enable DM. So there's a whole list of parameters here, and it doesn't mm -hmm. look like they're that hard. Um, but again, I sort of think I might avoid it as much as well if I can, because people have already sort of tread over that. Yeah. Or you've got other th easier things like... Uh, by the way... Where uh, you publish that do it? Yeah. Uh, to answer your question, uh, optimized tweets with cards. The player card, video and audio clips can be embedded. I don't think I've seen any audio clips. Well, according to their notes, uh, this is doable. But I have seen video clips. And much more, much less frequently do I see video clips. It tends to be really large publishers or people who are doing really heavy uh, video integration will have that. It's very rare that I see the average Joe posting something that's even a YouTube clip that 
displays as video natively on Twitter, which I find surprising given the amount of stuff that they, I think they would prefer to have in video or visual format on Twitter. Yeah, but for now, I'm not worried. Well, I'm worried that biting off more tube. I'm not worried about the idea of integrating with Bridget Publish yeah. and building something that if I want to expand it in the future, I can. And also getting rid of another plugin because this will merge all of the code I built for Bridgie publish into syndication. Yeah. Well, if you do, if you do that and it forces the orphanization of, uh, Matthias's, uh, indie news plugin, uh, we got to make sure we move the code he just wrote to add the little dashboard with news widget. I think that, I think we that belongs in IndieWeb. Yeah. I was going to say that's, that's one thing that should be in the IndieWeb plugin along with, it's um, the perfect thing for that plugin. You know, finally that plugin will have something to do. It has something to do. It does rail me and HCart. Yeah. But, and make setting, setting up indie webifying a site so much quicker. I think the, my, my two hour video literally, I think everything I did in that, I probably could sit down and execute it all within about a half an hour. Just, you know, one piece after another, after another. Well, the question um, I have to ask you is this. Let's see if you, if you've been paying attention. This is something. The IndieAuth plugin, which was just released. If you have the IndieWeb plugin installed, what will be more accurate as a result? In the, I'm not sure I'm following your question. Okay, the IndieAuth plugin uses features from the IndieWeb plugin if installed. Oh, I'm guessing it, it's pulling out um, the correct author. Well, it does that with or user. Plugin, but you are correct. If you have set the default user for a site. In the IndieWeb plugin, it will use that before it goes and tries to search the entire database to figure out who the correct user is. So if you have used those settings that declare your site as a single author site, it will assume that is the author if you've put in the home URL of the site, mm-hmm. rather than trying to search through every single user's account to figure out who it is. Yeah. Well, actually, I noticed, too, and it's been a couple months since I'd set up something completely from scratch, uh, but there there are a lot of kind of nice things where the edges have been rounded off since I had last uh, play, played with them. Um, so even things like um, I, there was a setting for an individual site versus a multi-user site that That's defaults to the in, single author when there are no other users created in the database. You can't toggle the switch at all unless That's... there actually exists a second author on the site or a second user that has been a bit but it, it helped because people were a little confused about that so it is now disabled yeah so it does correctly assume what should be assumed which you only have one author that must be author that controls this yeah but uh, on a positive podcast note as we wrap up because we did have a time goal that we've exceeded as usual uh, for this <laughs> podcast we started it um, in an attempt, um, one of the things that I wanted to do by having a podcast other than having a podcast was to use it to develop my tools for publishing podcasts. So over the weekend, in response to, uh, one of the problems people had, I released an update to PostKinds, which is the plugin I used to generate different posts. And now if you do post an audio or a video post, it will automatically add an enclosure to all of the WordPress RSS feeds, as well as the, what is it? The JSON feed, if you installed that. Mm-hmm. So it now hooks into the WordPress enclosure system. So this podcast, once I post it, will definitely have an enclosure. Which is pretty awesome. Which is I've been, I was going to say, I think you, if I remember too, when I looked at the code, you were using WordPress's uh, function to embed that enclosure. Um, and I, I've... Well, that's also new. Um, that was the other change I made, which is if um, it is not getting an embed from a third-party site, it will actually try to generate its own embed before giving up. So mm-hmm. if it detects its audio or video, it will actually try to generate an audio or video play locally. Which I don't think, in fact, I hadn't upgraded when I posted my YouTube video the other day, but I think I remember when I've stuck in the YouTube URL in the version just before this, it didn't no, it, it should. didn't render. It should, if you turn on the setting. There's always a setting to disable the embedding of third-party sites. Oh, yeah. So if you have that on... Um, for a while there, there was a recommendation that you might want to turn it off because it wasn't uh, properly rendering micro formats. But I did uh, something of a workaround around that so that um, basically Bridgie could pick it, pick it up. Mm. Oh, the the other thing too that I've noticed, um, even on the podcasting side, I've been not using WordPress's auto embed, which 
I kind of like the nice dark black appearance that they have, but they don't add the, um, there's usually, if you do a standard audio tags, you can get a, a little download button, which is nice and useful in some cases. Um, but I've noticed by manually adding audio tags into my posts, um, WordPress forces an enclosure in the RSS feed, uh, which has been kind of an interesting and useful thing, so that all my listen posts that I was putting audio into manually, I discovered creates what I call a focast. Uh, you um, well now if you're posting audio, I, I didn't do it for listen. If you want me to, I could, but uh, right now for audio, video, or photos, it does automatically an enclosure, creating a basically the feed turns itself into a podcast. Mm-hmm. Now, if you're saying you want a download button, yeah, but well, most I think most um, well, uh, except for some of some of the big corporate audio silos that are popping up to do podcast stuff, they're so heavily hiding their MP3 file that it's just not findable or not usable. And I think SoundCloud is probably one of the worst offenders in that area. Um, but they're also not allowing you to download the audio if if you'd like to do that. Um, but I've noticed the way I've been doing it manually, it not only adds an enclosure in the WordPress feed automatically, but it also I've also been doing it in a way such that the audio shows up in the show notes so that in a lot of podcatchers, you can not only play it natively in the podcatcher, but you can also, if they're supporting um, HTML in their show notes, you can actually see a player show up in the sh- within the show notes and play it from there separately as well, which, you know, almost blows my mind that it's such a simple, easy thing. Um, I just made a note of that idea, by the way. Um, but the, the nice part is if you're a big corporate company or you do a lot of aggregation, you can then take your listen posts and turn them into a, you know, a podcast feed really quickly and easily. And suddenly, instead of creating your own native content uh, to do that, at least for marketing purposes, you can now better aggregate uh, audio content as well without needing to rely on awesome services like HuffDuffer.com. Well, stay tuned. As I said, you just gave me an idea, so I'll see if, what I can do. See, this is this is why we do this. What, so that you talk me so into doing can, more things? No, so we can we can cause trouble, and you know, it's that's the it's the old concept of you know small things loosely joined. When you have a bunch of small, easy, you know, building blocks, you can turn it into, turn it into, or remix them and turn it into something much bigger and better that you never would have thought about having had before. So, oh, the, we'll uh, as I said, you know, we'll see what happens next. So, until next week, then. Okay, until then. All right. Thanks, David. Goodbye. Have a good one.